becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing those other songs, glimmer, glimmer, shift, shift, and see. Yeah, ready? Oh shoot, we're gonna actually do like a, an official like welcome to the shores of ignorance thing, as opposed to what do we normally do? Well, we've been kind of uh, doing some uh, other things with our podcast for a while, so it's kind of like oh, a, that's right. <laughs> so that's which has right. been fun. So we've, we've been true to our stuff, but uh, we just kind of had that's to do true. some things on the side, right? So we this is going to be episode fifty-two, mm-hmm. the previous one that will be available on. Apple Podcasts is going to be 48 or Spotify. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we did a couple of episodes that we decided to keep in the... For posterity's sake. <clears throat> yeah. Keep in the <laughs> vault for a while. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, back to the shores. Yeah, we back to go. the shores. Yeah, definitely. Cheers. Very excited. Mm. So holy <clears throat> crap. Yeah. We have this episode and one <clears throat> more and <clears throat> 2020 will be over. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a wild, wild year. Yeah. Um, I just can't believe it has gone by. Like, it's just passed. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's not over yet, but at the beginning of March, you know, when everything changed, I remember th- somebody saying, oh, this is going to go on till August. Mm-hmm. And just thinking how absurd that sounded. Oh, yeah. And here we are in December. Mm-hmm. And still going on. Still going on. <laughs> that's been an amazing year for us it's like we've committed to doing like a episode a week and we pretty Mm -hmm. much did it i mean yeah i think other than like due to holiday conflicts we've mm -hmm. we've done a recording every week yeah although our our uh we haven't been so good about actually releasing them on a (laughs) weekly schedule but but we recorded them damn it we have recorded them (laughs) yeah Uh yeah because you know i went to uh, big ben we didn't record one then right that was one I guess it was a holiday. Yeah. It was your birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Uh, trying to think where to start. I, I have to say thank you for buying that that uh, Breathe book. That mm. was really, I know we've talked a lot about that, but Matt and I are in the middle of quite a different, quite a few different experiments right now yeah. with, with breathing, which has been really fascinating. So Yeah, maybe let's talk for just a second about it. Yeah. I'm only halfway through the book, so you're ahead of me. <laughs> um it's a book called Breathe by James Nestor, and I found out about it through the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm. He was on, James Nestor was on his podcast, and I was kind of blown away. And I think halfway through the podcast, I went and just ordered two copies, <laughs> one for you and one for me. And it, it is quite an astounding um, book. Yeah. Which is funny, because I had watched a little bit of his, I think probably the first 10 minutes, I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah. And passed Totally up. blew it off, blew it off, you know? <laughs> Uh, and then after you, I was like, oh, I'll read it. Matt got it for me. And, and dude, I just got, I just got sucked in. <laughs> it's one of those things where I think you said this, it's like, am I just drinking some like cult Kool-Aid yeah, here totally. or is this really real? Uh-huh. Is this true? And yeah. you know, it's hard to say, but mm-hmm. I will say I've changed the way that I've been breathing and there seems to be some positive effects. Mm-hmm. And just to maybe to summarize Let's just summarize what yeah. his book is about. I mean, mm-hmm. the premise is we don't breathe right. Yeah. Like humans, we don't breathe the way that we're supposed to. And specifically, uh, you should be breathing only through your nose. Yeah. Like never through your mouth. Mm-hmm. And the the data that backs this up is kind of mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Like everything from weight loss to cavities yeah. is associated with uh or lack of weight loss mm-hmm. and cavities are associated with breathing through your mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. And also just the, uh, uh, our, our mouth structure, mm-hmm. you know, that was also had to do with food also, but, um, uh, and how much oxygen we capture when we breathe through the nose versus through our mouth, I think it was 18 times more, uh, 20, times? 20% more, 20% more. Yeah. Yeah. You get 20% more oxygen when you breathe through your nose. Mm-hmm. Um, which means you breathe less. Mm-hmm. And apparently when you breathe less, there's some relationship between oxygen and carbon dioxide that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think we generally think, well, we need oxygen and we need to get rid of carbon dioxide. And it's not that simple. Yeah, like You need the carbon dioxide as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're breathing too much, <clears throat> um, 
you disrupt that balance and there's all kinds of health consequences. Yeah. So that led us to Wim Hof too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing the cold shower thing. Uh-huh. Cold shower. Uh-huh. I started doing the, uh, the heavy breathing, I forgot what it's called, the, uh, where you basically hyperventilate kind right, of thing. Right. So that's been fascinating. Cold shower has been really awesome though. It has. Yeah. It's been really good. So we do it separately, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're in this together, man. These cold showers have been great for me too, Michael. <laughs> I come over every morning and like, hey, ready for the shower? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we podcast together, but we, we shower separately. separately yeah. <laughs> um, well, it just makes me think about how, you know, in this time, like we are more knowledgeable and more technically advanced in... Uh, than than any other time on the planet, or at least mm. we think we are. But there's things like breathing that don't get talked about. Yeah. Um, so maybe like a couple of things that blew my mind about uh, breathing. Oh, I lost it. One was um, oh, so this is what made me buy the book. He said uh, he's talking about breathing through your nose, and he said like imagine a cheetah in like full tilt, full sprint chasing down a gazelle is that cheetah's mouth open hmm. he said what about a horse like running all day long is that horse's mouth open he's like if it is that horse ain't long for this world not true you know yeah and i thought holy shit and every time i work out i'm like <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, <totally laughs> this can't be a good sign uh-huh. um and another thing he talked about too is that if you don't breathe through your nose your nasal passages Mm. change. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a use it or lose it kind of thing. And I guess they've done experiments where they have, uh, I think with some kind of monkey or something like for uh, one guy plugged monkeys noses for like two years and Mm -hmm. their nasal cavities completely shut off. Mm -hmm. Um, which just made me think like we're dealing with all these things like allergies that I'm currently sort of dealing with, with Zyrtec and whatever, but you know, Austin's a hell of a place to be for allergies and, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, man, maybe one of the solutions is just simply to breathe. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds stupid, but breathe. And he makes that point about asthma. Like, um, there's been a, been a lot of success with asthmatic patients by having them rather than like taking these stimulants, stimulants that open up their airways simply to change the way that they breathe, mm. to breathe slower and breathe, to breathe less actually. So we're definitely drinking the Kool-Aid on this one yeah. because, because there's too many things that in, uh, when I, and also when I read the Wim Hof book, it's, it's, there's so much data that's being driven right now in this and kind of research. That's really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, I think that's something that there's some themes that I think you and I've hit on over the last year or two is <clears throat> like, there's a, this modern age has like really brought us so many amazing and wonderful things but we've also lost touch with our biology mm-hmm. and uh, some of these things that we've, I mean, everything from, you know, contraceptives to, you know, uh, you know, maxi pads to, you know, uh, uh, our food that's canned, you know, there's, there's so many things that, that can, that have helped us and we've gotten through things and more people will get fed and we can, you know, there's right. unbelievable amount of great things but we also just don't, we're, we've kind of lost touch with our biology, yeah. you know, even just pregnancy and child rearing and, um, uh, you know, maybe even, maybe even there's an aspect of like hunting, you know, that, mm. that there's, there is with that and understanding our food and where it comes from. Well, maybe like a more easy, like a, a more popular one is to just think about how much our understanding of diet has changed mm. culturally, mm-hmm. like not just scientifically, but culturally. I mean, I remember growing up and the food pyramid was a thing that we actually adhered to, Mm -hmm. you know, and now I think it's pretty widely understood that that's a pretty unhealthy way to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of, a lot of really good data talking about more intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. um, you know, clearly like the craze of keto and, uh, gluten free and all of these other sort of, um, what would you call them? Fad diets. Yeah, I, I was trying like to stay away from oh, the word sorry. fad because they have <laughs> stuck bad. around for a while, but yeah. it, it has an element of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but our understanding of our body's relationship to food has changed mm-hmm. 
culturally. And then some of this stuff about breath that might sound a bit like drinking the Kool-Aid. It's mm-hmm. like, well, it just makes me think about how much we, re- yeah, to your point, we don't understand. And, and as we start moving into the next decade and decade after that, like, what are we going to understand more of mm-hmm. about our bodies and how much happier and healthier can we become as we um, move away from some of these, um, you know, perhaps prescriptions or habits of the post-industrial age. Mm -hmm. Or even how many things are built into religious practices, you know, whether it's Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, you know, there's, there's so many things that are built into those religions that are actually healthy biologically for us, you know, whether it be, you know, contemplative prayer, you know, taking time, certain breathing practices, you know, monks did these types of things. Um, you know, uh, in Islam, you know, five days, I mean, five days out of the, five times out of the day, you take a t- take a moment and there's a certain ritual you do and there's breathing involved and there's bowing and there's, you know, yeah, let's, let's try to unpack that for a second. Cause mm-hmm. that is a fascinating thought that I think is worth dwelling mm-hmm. on for a minute yeah, or at least maybe explaining a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so James Nestor points out in the book that there's something like seven or eight different religions whose main prayers follow an almost identical um, breath pattern, breath pattern. Mm -hmm. And it's five and a half seconds in, and then a five and a half second, like repeat of a, of a, um, what would Mm -hmm. you call it in like uh, Christianity? Yeah. Well, the, the praying the rosary was, was part of that. Uh, Um, the the prayer the, the what is it the five times prayer you do in Islam I forget what it's called call to prayer mm-hmm. um, follows the same pattern follows the same pattern and like wow what mm-hmm. is that I I mean the evolution of religion is something that I've been really interested in lately mm-hmm. thinking about religion not as this sort of this one's right this one's not this mm-hmm. is the reality this is not the reality yeah um, you know maybe some of that is getting pulled from the um, Eric Neumann's book, mm-hmm. but, um, and tying all of the religions back to mythology and, yeah. and original archetypes. But the idea that all of these different cultures across the globe would evolve and arrive at a, at something that would put their bodies in the same pattern of breath for a period of time, mm-hmm. like that must be significant to our biology. Yeah. Well, it makes sense though. It's like if, if you're practicing something and then you're getting certain results, there's some sort of synchronicity that's mm-hmm. happening. Right. And then that becomes embedded into the religion, you know, um, whether yeah. sociologically, so how, psychologically, you right. know, all those areas. It's like how many other things have that are important for our health have, have become inarticulately embedded into religion as uh, tradition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe another good one is, um, I think most religions practice some sort of day of rest, or at least a lot of the major ones do. Yeah, um, the Sabbath, or yeah, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is so thinking about these things as a post-religious culture. Mm-hmm. What are we losing that we don't even know that we had? Yeah, that's not actually religious. It's actually biological. It's actually biological. Yeah, psychological. I mean, it's that is a. I think that is a very fascinating question that we are, we just don't understand right now. We can't comprehend that. Right. Um, because there's so many advances right now, we're also caught up in, in that sort of like, like in an evolutionary standpoint, like our, you know, I think one thing in particular is like, I think Wimpoff talks about this is like, we're comfortable all the time. Yeah. You know, we're right. in environments that are regulated to a certain degree. We have all the right proper clothing for most people in the Western world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not experiencing <clears throat> elements and stress. So it's healthy stress and good stress that is brought to us by our environment that we have to adapt to and deal with. And so we've kind of taken that away so that when we actually do face stress of any sort, we start to kind of, we freak out, you know, because we're not used to being in an adverse um, yeah, situation. Yeah, we freak out. And I think, I, I, I don't know that I can give any references for this, but mm-hmm. I think we've talked about it before on the pod that like there, there are 
certain aspects of your, literally of your DNA that mm. won't be expressed into your genes. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right way to say it into your genes, but certain aspects of your genes that won't be expressed activated or, or activated mm-hmm. until you are in some sort of adverse or stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And the less stress we experience, it's like, how much of ourselves do we not even know about? Yeah. Or it's being deactivated because we're so comfortable mm-hmm. in our right. situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's people smarter than us that probably know those answers, but <laughs> Let's get them on the podcast. Let's get them on the podcast. <laughs> oh man. One of these days we'll be able to just call anybody and they will jump like Rogan does and come over. Perfect. <laughs> come COVID over. or known. Tell us about this, please. Yeah. Um, no, I think, but that's one of the things I think you and I right now are so fascinated with because as you start to scratch the surface of all the amazing things of the modern world, but how much that we've actually left behind or we don't understand to give Nietzsche, God is dead, but what do you do now? Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of killed a lot of these things, but we don't know how to move forward in a way that's actually healthy and good for us psychologically and biologically. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to replace things with things that we think are good for us, but they're really actually not. And they actually might be the the death of us. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so what comes to mind? Uh, The first thing was like the eating thing, you know, Mm -hmm. having eating too many soft foods and not having something that is uh, hard to eat and tough and that, you know, strengthens your jaws and, uh, with your palates. He mentioned something about the palate. This is one thing I would ask my dad about. He's a dentist. So, Oh, right. Yeah. He was saying that a combination of eating softer foods and not breathing correctly has Mm -hmm. made our mouths much smaller, Mm -hmm. which is why we all get our wisdom teeth out. Yeah. And then why our teeth are crooked. Mm -hmm. And then braces, they were like starting to, you know, they were doing widening things in the early beginning stages, but then they started to do like a one size fits all like, Oh, we'll just take teeth out and put braces on and make your teeth together. And so it actually is ca- causing our mouths to even be smaller. smaller. Um, Whereas they've, there's, I guess quite a bit of research into like older skulls mm-hmm. and none of these older skulls have crooked teeth. Yeah. Which is wild because so, they didn't and all our teeth brush or floss uh-huh. or you know, it's like, what's, what's going on. This is so, this is kind of vindicating for me because as a kid, I was like, <laughs> it makes no sense that I have to brush twice a day and floss once a day mm-hmm. and no animal does this and they're they fine <laughs> and I'm not like, what's the conspiracy here? That's great. I that, That's so true. That's so funny. You're, you're such a smart ass when you were a kid, man. <laughs> No, mom, dad, the logic. Well, never made, yeah, yeah, the logic. It never made sense to me because I would do it mm-hmm. and then I would go to the dentist and he'd be like, well, you got six cavities. Yeah. When do you want to come in? And I'm like, this makes no sense. I'm doing the work. Yeah. Why are my teeth falling apart? I'm young, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it doesn't make so, sense. So maybe this is the beginning of, a, of an answer. Yeah, I always thought about like, you know, you know, even back in the day, they eat beef jerky, you know, and how much that just or an apple, you know, when you bite into an apple, mm-hmm. it goes up into your gums. Totally. And it's like, you can see how that, that kind of stuff would be like healthy for your teeth right. and stuff. But, um, God, there's just so much in this area that is, I mean, you and I are doing experiments right now. So yeah, we're, <laughs> totally. We're having fun with that. Well, it kind of makes me excited that like, you know, we reached a point, in especially Western civilization, where we really have solved a lot of the sort of major problems of of what it means to survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, even uh, what is it? The UN um, the UN said that they wanted to cut the rate of absolute poverty in half by twenty fifteen. I think they did it. They did it in, in twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. It's like that's crazy. Um, so it's across the world. Things are improving at a, at a crazy rate. Yeah. And so it's like, we get to celebrate that. And maybe we're moving into a period in this century where we start to actually pull back in the thing, the things that we traded off in order to accomplish Mm -hmm. these advances. I think I'm hopeful in that area. Yeah. I mean, I, I see, you know, so definitely like the person who's the first, um, 
was it the first adopter, the person who starts it, or is that the first person who adopts the guy who like the dancing thing? The dancing thing? Yeah, when that guy stands up and starts dancing, and then this other guy who's the first adopter goes up and dances next to him, and uh-huh. then everybody starts dancing. Okay, gotcha. so like the guy's crazy. You know, you look at him like, oh, look at that crazy the first guy. guy. The first guy. Yeah, and then when the second guy gets up there and starts dancing, everyone's like, like oh. I mean, maybe this is something. Yeah, then yeah. three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty, fifty. You know, it's like now the person who doesn't join in is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so I wonder if there's some of that too. Like I see Wim Hof too. It's like, he is such a character. Like I read his book before I listened to him speak and he's so passionate. He is a wild man. Charismatic. I mean, you could just be like, if if there wasn't so much like data and so many things that are, they're studying him and not only him, but people that he'll train for like four weeks and they're showing the same exact things that Mm -hmm. he can do. I mean, it's phenomenal. So there's so many studies out there that are current and have been, happening so it's it's I, I feel like there's a certain amount of credibility that are is coming to some of these things you know yeah he said that he had he voluntarily had himself injected with e coli yeah and presented no symptoms uh-huh like he just breathed it <laughs> it, it breathed it away breathed it away <laughs> I, which this sounds madness it sounds like madness but like it was a study they yeah. did it uh-huh. in a lab yeah um, man. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. I think crazy stuff ahead. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I mean, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say like broadly, I kind of feel like one of the reasons that like the death of God occurred or we became a post-religious civilization mm-hmm. is because science started to answer questions that were previously only embedded in the traditions and symbology of religion. Mm. And so that pulled us away from it. Yeah. But it didn't know everything that was embedded in religion. Totally. You know, so it didn't know to pull in breathing. Mm-hmm. It's like, we breathe. You have to breathe. If you don't breathe, you die. That, that's enough information. You yeah. Know? Um, so maybe we're a little far enough or maybe at the beginning of a period now where the stuff that science said was, you know, uh, ridiculous religious stuff. Mm-hmm maybe it's like, okay, there's, maybe there's something to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something to the reports of like the, the crazy monk up in Tibet who can at will change the temperature of his skin. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's worth looking into. And yeah. maybe that information was embedded within practices that we got rid of and to understand them might allow us to bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fascinating. There's so many questions in that area too. As far as, you know, is it a, yeah, I just don't think you can actually get rid of, again, it's hard to know like what words to use without like, without people having some sort of adverse effect to, you know, it's like what you call spirituality, religion, uh, mysticism, right. Whatever it might be. And, you know, insert whatever word you feel most comfortable with in this area. But, um, like I tend to believe that there is, there is an element of however you want to call that and in, built into us, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and that I, and it has also attributed to our evolution. Um, and I think that's why religion took on such a powerful effect and also the monotheistic religions and, and that, I mean, you know, Islam, Judaism and Christianity are, yeah. are the, why is that? I think there's like, there's, there is a biological aspect that those religions map onto our biology a lot better than other religions do. Interesting. Um, and again, I'm, this is, I'm conjecturing if, if that's the right word. Uh, but that seems fairly empirical to me. Hmm. Um, you can maybe, uh, yeah, you can maybe go to where, uh, but then that also leads to the same thing. It's like healthier, uh, healthier societies over others that are stronger or whatever it might be. Right. Or <clears> weapons <throat> or, you know, there's some things with that too. Anyways, I got, I got, I got sidetracked on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how long we want to dwell on this, but like, yeah. I, I even think, um, the idea of like monogamy mm. as something which is embedded in religion, yeah. um, and something we're attempting to sort of disrupt right now, but mm. it has also allowed us to build society in mm. maybe ways that we don't really broadly understand or that it isn't accepted in the zeitgeist. Yeah. It's like. I don't think it necessarily, or maybe this is the way I'm thinking about a lot of religion right now, is it's not necessarily a dictate Mm -hmm. that's somewhat, you know, it's easy to see as somewhat arbitrary. 
um, and, and controlling and you know, maybe mm-hmm. even oppressive. You know, but, but perhaps there is elements of this, which is, no, this is the way that society's evolved in order to become stable. Mm-hmm. I think you said that really well. And, the, and the, the, the way that we pass the information on wasn't necessarily scientific. It was mm-hmm. religious. Mm-hmm. And so it was like now there's more, there is actually, or becoming more scientific verification for those religious practices prior, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's without the bastardization of those practices or like the, um, you know, uh, the power struggles that can that happen within human structures. Right. They still, still happen They'll still happen. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what structure you have in place. Right. That's something natural to us. You know, maybe there's a larger point here, which is that like we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be too flippant maybe about all the, the vast amount of history that has brought us to where we are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we are in a place where you can say of people they're, they were comfortable all the time. And yeah. that's generally true. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't ever been that way before. Yeah. And we got here through all of these means, these crazy means, religion being a, a massive one of them. Mm-hmm science only a very recent one of them Mm -hmm. or even our politically Mm, you know democracy uh republics uh you know where there wasn't a uh to move away from dictatorships Mm -hmm. it's almost mind-boggling it is that we were able to do it Mm -hmm. i mean even just with the advent of like the printing press and stuff that allowed the dissemination of information to broader you know, broader amount of people. Yeah. Cause even back then with the printing press was like, they're afraid that people would get a hold of information and then be able to use that in a way that was not, or even print misinformation. Pre- yeah. <clears throat> did you Which see the, the internet today? You know? <laughs> totally. Well, did you see that? Um, I can't remember. There was an article written somewhere. I don't remember which, um, publisher it was called sinister sounds. And it was about how podcasts are the new means of spreading misinformation. Oh, interesting. Which I thought was fascinating um, that they're someone's trying to come for podcasts. Like <laughs> podcasts are the problem here, uh-huh. um, because my general thought is that I think actually podcasts might save us. Yeah, <laughs> you know when you think about like all of the atrocities of the 20th century, whether that's Nazi Germany or communist Russia, mm-hmm. um, Maoist China, maybe those being the big three, like. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of people dying at the hands of just really bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's certainly a lot of really bad ideas come cropping up in society. It may be historically bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but previously, the only way to go to fight against those bad ideas was to talk about it with somebody or maybe to write something, get it printed, get it distributed. I mean, these are compared to the ability we have now those are hopeless means of communication on a society level. And so the society slipped into, what would you say? I would say like a society wide mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, But now we have something like podcasts. Anyone can do one Mm -hmm. and can distribute to anyone. And of course, yes, that brings up some concern of widespread misinformation. Yeah. But it also allows us to spread even just simply questioning things, Yeah, you know, and maybe that saves us from bad ideas from falling into a society wide mental illness of a new kind. If we're not already in one. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I was even thinking when you were, you were talking about, you know, really, I mean, up until a couple of hundred years ago, printing press, even at the beginning of the stage of that, it's like you had to go to war. You had to carry a sword to change something. Oh, totally. You know, it was like, it was very rare. Like even in Medici Florence, you know, there was a Republic and things were handled through a governmental body, but it was, it was, it was always on a knife's edge. Hmm. You know, there was not, it could, it, it could just fall into chaos at any moment. You know, I think that's the thing with the United States is amazing. It's like, you know, you have so many checks and balances, you know, yeah. that's been really healthy and good up to this point, at least, you know, and, 
we're still we're still doing it anyways <laughs> you got something what do you got? yeah i don't know if i want to get it well okay <laughs> so the idea of checks and balances um you know and maybe for anyone who's followed us along on our podcast journey this year probably get have gotten the impression correctly that i'm i'll speak for myself here mm-hmm. like very new to being involved or thinking about or talking about politics in any level mm. um so the idea of like checks and balances as a kid was like something we were taught. And I just thought, mm-hmm. eh, fine, checks and balances, whatever. Like, yeah. what's for lunch? You know? <laughs> uh, um, Hello, Bill becomes a law. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> I'm just a Bill, just a <laughs> sitting up in the little um, So I'll try this and, and push back on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, this election, especially post-election, mm-hmm. and everything that's been going on with... Um, reports of election fraud and Trump contesting that and not conceding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is actually a great example of checks and balances. Yeah. You know, uh, he, he said that there was fraud. Mm-hmm. He went and presented that evidence to the courts. The courts said for many different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, no, or there's there's no evidence of widespread fraud that would yeah, yeah I think there's a lot of ways we could go yeah. deep into yeah, all of those but yeah, it's like yeah. you know this process went mm-hmm. electoral college voted and here we are and you know other things could change but it's looking like you know the results of the election are standing mm-hmm. this is checks and balances yeah. it's like nobody gets to just say no I'm doing this mm-hmm. we don't work that way yeah um, that's like amazing I think the hard thing about this one was that uh, usually within a week or two of November 3rd, right. the other person concedes, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's not, that's like, that's like kind of like a normalcy. That's not a part of like what the checks and balances are. It's like, you know, call, you know, electoral college on, you know, was it December 15th, I guess? Or it was, it was December 14th. I think it's 14th. the <clears throat> oh, second day. Yeah. The Tuesday after the second Monday. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I think I heard that, but does yeah. that make sense? No, it is like it's like I think it's like maybe why wouldn't the, you just do second Tuesday? Yeah, it's I don't know. It's some sort of weird configuration right. like that. Um, so that was the process, mm-hmm. and so everything has been followed as it should be. And you know, mm-hmm. right now Biden has been declared the uh, president elect. You know, yeah. <clears throat> um, but I think that's a funny thing because I kept hearing this in the media was like as if the media declared who the president is to be like we declared the president back in two on the, you know, Wednesday after the election. And that's not really how it works. It's like, if the president can, if the person who was defeated concedes, then therefore, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously if you can see like, okay, Hey, most likely it's going to be this guy. Right. But the media doesn't t- declare who the president's to be. No. Yeah, I think it doesn't was, matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they say. Right. And so, I, so I, I, I saw a lot of rhetoric in the media in that sense. It's sort of like, no, we already declared it, you know? And that was something that was like, well, you can report on it, <laughs> but you're not, the, right. you're not the arbiter of who is president and who is not president. There's right. a system here. There's, yeah. a, there's a stuff in place to declare that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, which I thought was interesting. So, Yeah, it's been fascinating watching it play out. Oh, it's been absolutely fascinating. Especially just like again watching, you know, both sides and how everyone's reacting and uh I don't know. It's it kinda gives me hope, more hope also just to you know all the all the craziness that's been surrounding this and it's kind of seeing like, okay, hey no. We're gonna be okay. No, we have yeah. structures that mm-hmm. maintain stability. Yeah. And they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I think there's other things to be concerned about, but like, <laughs> but that, that, that I'm like, all right, no, we're, we're good there yeah. for the most part. We we'll don't want to get too far off on that stuff. No, I, I don't. I'm kind of looking forward to, um, yes, <laughs> recapping this year a bit mm-hmm. and then starting to talk about what next year might bring Yeah, and, and not so much politically, mm-hmm. but more, more in a vision casting way yeah no I'm, I'm excited about that too 
I think you and I have been really uh, motivated by Elon Musk recently. That guy's fucking insane. He's insane. Effing insane. <laughs> we can curse. It's a podcast. I know. I just thought, I thought it was yeah, <laughs> kind of like, I'm turning a new leaf. Oh, I'm really? I'm going to say the cuss word and then I'm going to... And then bleep it and then bleep self bleep it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Afterwards. Fucking A. F and A. F and A. Yeah. Elon. So Elon has moved to Austin. Mm-hmm. He's one of us now. Well, not only, I mean, it's like Rogan's moved to Austin, Oracle's coming to Austin. I mean, there's so many things happening in Austin right now. It's, it's really, it's quite profound, but let's yeah. go back to Elon. I think that's, so you say Elon. 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 Is it Elon? I don't know. Who knows? Hey, Elon. <laughs> Maybe he knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he knows. Yeah. He probably switches it up himself. That, yeah. So centric. feisty mix. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think he's encouraged me. Um, well, so we, I, you had sent me a YouTube video of his. He was just talking about like everything, mm-hmm. um, that he's, that he's doing, but just sort of like mixing in ideas about what a stable, prosperous economy looks like a stable government looks like. He made a really interesting point about how government is really just the, the largest corporation. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the end of the road for corporations is mm-hmm. the government. So that was an interesting take. Um, also the inefficiency <clears throat> as you get to that level of, right. Yeah. Government is necessarily inefficient. Um, yeah, but I just felt really, uh, encouraged to think bigger mm-hmm. or maybe discouraged about why <laughs> the fact that I don't think bigger, uh-huh. You know, the amount of things rattling around in this guy's head and then making their way out into reality is astounding. Yeah. You do the rundown. You did that rundown really well earlier. And I was like, you know, everything from Mars to Earth to under the Earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was talking about his, his kind of like overarching vision for everything he's doing. Because he's got Tesla. He's got SpaceX. He's got the Boring Company. Um, he's Neuralink. got N- Neuralink. And he sort of framed it as any good CEO probably does in, in like how do all these things tie together? And he was talking about how we need to become a multi-planetary species for our like survival. And he's not, he's like, I'm not just talking about you and I and our kids, but like the species. Yeah. And for anybody to think that long term is crazy to me. Uh-huh. But so he's talking about how SpaceX is trying to solve that problem. Whereas Tesla is trying to make sure that the, those of us who have to live here as long as we have to live here and then don't leave once we can leave mm-hmm. that we're taking care of, you know, um, you know, in some small ways trying to solve that with Tesla. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about how, you know, our cities have become so congested that like, what's the quality of life when you're having to spend two hours in the car to get to work? He's like, we have to go 3d. We've got to take our transportation 3d. Yeah. And when he framed it that way, I was like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. Like we can fly, but we don't really do it very much. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to use the same 2d plane to get everywhere. And my initial thought to that would be, I was like, oh, he's going to talk about like gondolas in downtown mm-hmm. Austin or like personal jetpacks or, you know, but uh, this guy's like, no, we need to go underground. Mm-hmm. We need tunnels. And then he started talking about why that was so good. One of the reasons that's so good is because <clears throat> in a tunnel, you can suck out all of the ox out of all of the air mm-hmm. and make a vacuum. Now you don't have, uh, wind friction, I air friction. Like said sonic boom. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you have no issues with sonic. You can go supersonic in a tun- tunnel underground and you don't have to worry about sonic booms, mm-hmm. which is something like the Concorde was an amazing airplane, mm-hmm. but we retired it mostly because this is my understanding, mostly because it was, um, you couldn't really operate it over land masses mm-hmm. because sonic booms are a real problem. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're really disruptive. Mm-hmm. So if you tried to take off and go supersonic, um, in a, in a sonic boom is something that happens the whole time yeah. continuously. As long as an aircraft is going supersonic, mm-hmm. you'll just only experience it as it passes you if you're on the ground. So it's a big problem. So if you're flying, you know, over, if you're trying to go from LA to New York, yeah. you can't go supersonic cause you're disrupting everybody. But if you're in a vacuum and a tube underground, you can go supersonic and it's fine because there's no sonic boom. Mm-hmm. 
How is he thinking this way? It's amazing. I mean, I mean, then did he throw Neuralink on top of that to help yeah. people that are paraplegics? And, you know, it's like to start with, you know, that's, that's just, I mean, he is, I mean, obviously he's got a huge team. So, I mean, it's like, I think he's, he's definitely the face of a lot of these things and he's right. spearheading a lot of intelligent and amazing people. So, yeah. Um, but it's like, he, he's carrying a vision that mm-hmm. is quite impressive. It's quite impressive. The vision's impressive. Um, I think what's most impressive to me is that, you know, I'm sure that he has vision. Well, we all have vision. Mm-hmm. It's like, how much of that vision do we articulate? Not very much of it. Mm-hmm. How much of the vision that we do articulate do we manifest into reality? Yeah. Not very much of that. So if you apply roughly those same orders of magnitude of differences between those three things to Elon, <laughs> Elon, hey, Elon. <laughs> um, you know, damn. Yeah. The amount of this stuff that's falling out into real world, world stuff, like mm-hmm. Hyperloop, which is his um, vacuum sealed tube, was just an idea he wrote down on paper, and now it's a reality. That's going in in uh, Nevada, right? I don't know. Yeah, so, somebody built one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if there's like one going in functionally, or if it's still being tested, or okay. or not. I know that the Boring Company has uh, a working underground tube that's going to open up. I don't remember where. That might be the Nevada. Maybe thing, that's the Nevada one. one yeah. I don't think that's a hypersonic, okay. like full implement, implementation of the Hyperloop. But yeah. so, like, what vision must he have? Um, and then the amount that he articulates, and the amount of that that ends up like in reality. Mm-hmm. You see the things that SpaceX is doing. They're landing ten-story building, ten-story buildings that have just fallen from space on a floating pad in the ocean mm-hmm. upright. Not to mention that other thing that we saw this weekend that was like phenomenal. Oh yeah. It was the, it was starship. The starship. I mean, it crashed, but it was like, everyone's like, Oh failure. It's like, no, that's, that was part of the thing. That's, I think that's the thing too. It's like people only want things after they've been perfected <laughs> and they're not willing to take the risks to get there. Yeah. And it's like, it just reminds me of the old, uh, hen, uh, bake a br- bake bread thing where the hen goes around and says, Hey, maybe you want to help me bake this bread? You know, to, what is that? I've heard that story in forever. Yeah, to like pick the wheat. Yeah. And then nobody will do that. Right. So nobody wants to, to do this it. Yeah. and this and this, but everybody wants to eat the bread, but nobody wants to, you know, right. be a part of the process. Right. And everyone's super critical of the process. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what I see a lot in media and social media is, so many people are critical of the process and not, uh, you know, when I see somebody like Elon, I'm like, Oh yeah, totally. He's going to fail so much, but he's really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we, we have, I mean, it maybe in our comfort mm-hmm. developed an unhealthy relationship with failure as a concept. Mm, that does make sense to me. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. There's a, there's a, almost an inadequacy if you fail, like if you, when it seems like we're culturally really stigmatizing failure right now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. More broadly. I mean, maybe we don't go too far down that road, but you know, the, even the idea of like digging up someone's 10 year old tweets and torching them for it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't allow people to fail anymore. Yeah. I was reading this guy's book and there's a bunch of his, his older stuff that got drawn up and, and it sounded like he had kind of dealt with a lot of it, but didn't matter. Got pulled up, got pulled up. Do you want to say who that is? I don't think so. I don't really want to, that's a, that's a, it's a weird one. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's, the, the starship thing was really crazy. I mean, as an idea, Mm -hmm. like if it works, you could go anywhere in the world in an hour. Yeah. So what it does, it's a rocket that takes off vertically with no scaffolding like the normal rockets we have. It's just sitting there on the ground and it takes off. Mm-hmm. It goes up into like, <clears throat> I'm not sure how high it goes, like low earth orbit maybe. Yeah. Um, and then it comes back in, f- flips over onto its belly. It does a controlled descent through the atmosphere. Like a, like what is it? A, a parachute guy? Uh 
parachute guy. <laughs> parachute guy. Uh, skydiver. Like a skydiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And it has these fins that kind of like help it maintain its control. And then as it approaches the ground, it flips back over to vertical and fires its thrusters and sets mm-hmm. itself down. And so they run this test. And the test was really to, f- to test this belly flop maneuver, mm-hmm. which was once you get, when you want to start your return journey, you flip the thing over onto its belly and then see if it can descend. And that's what they wanted to test. It was like, maybe it lands. Yeah. We're not there yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. Right. Uh, so it did the belly flop thing beautifully. It flipped back over right above the ground and, and powered on and it came and like it, it was just ready to set itself down, which again was not part of the test. It was not failure. Mm-hmm. It was like an overwhelming success because things worked that we didn't mm-hmm. even plan for to work. Mm-hmm. Say we, <laughs> and then right when it hit the ground, it exploded. Um, and apparently they learned, quite a bit from that and understand why that happened now. But, um, I mean, God, like if you were to ask a five-year-old like, Hey, solve the problem of getting anywhere in the world in one hour. Yeah. You know, maybe the five-year-old goes rockets and we all go you're five, you're out of your mind. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, You don't understand the way the world works, mm -hmm. but maybe Elon has retained some of that childhood ridiculous vision and he just goes, no, I think it can make that work. And it's in within, it's within this, you know, I don't even think the purpose of it is transportation on earth. The purpose of it is more transportation on other planets. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's within, it's like embedded within this larger vision. Yeah. And now we're seeing it come true. Mm -hmm. And SpaceX has really only been up to this stuff for, a number of years. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. 2002, I, <clears throat> 2003. Like I just think like what amazing solutions could we come up with or ideas? And if we allowed ourselves to think bigger mm-hmm. and when we run up against these things in our brain or maybe culture or whatever it is that say, that's, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't understand how hard that would be, or it's just not worth pursuing. Yeah. If you just said no to all of that, we were more like Elon. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. So, yeah, he's been really inspiring. Yeah, that's the truth. There's something we were, t- we were talking about that, that I wanted to, I wanted to jump into also, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I think kind of what you're talking about at the beginning was being able to think bigger, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and dream, um, yeah. and be childlike. I yeah. think there's something that is, uh, is really valuable in that. And I think we're, we're, we were talking too about like the, Oh, that's what it was. Uh, and studio Ghibli, uh, does like house castle and spirited away. It's, it's really great, but he does the, in, uh, most of their stuff. They, kind of gets into this, the, the subconscious or the unconscious aspects. Wait, go back. Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Studio Ghibli. So have you seen Totoro? No, you're saying words that don't sound like real words. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's an actual, it's like they, they produce all these different, like, uh, uh, it's kind of like, I think kind of like Japanese animation type stuff. Um, if you haven't seen it, there's a lot of great ones, but he kind of, they kind of always, there's this aspect that they, they're, it's real life, but at some point you kind of drift into this sort of like unconscious or subconscious realm where all these crazy things happen, but then there's this returning to the real world. sounds like Alice in Wonderland. It's, it's very similar to that. Okay. And it's in, and it's funny because like, there's a lot of like all these symbols that the characters deal with in their absurdity but they all symbolize something or they're working through some idea. Yeah. And so I just, I was just thinking about that too, as far as like, you know, you kind of want, as we want to be comfortable, it's like, we're also want everything to be so much more defined and exact. And I want to know what's going to happen. I want to know, totally tell me what to do. Um, or we're not okay with the abstract or with the, the unknown, and we're not willing to struggle with images and symbols that we don't fully understand. Uh, I think there's something with that. Again, going back to where we were at the beginning, we we're talking about modernity. 
uh, where prior to this, we did have religious language and symbols that we had to struggle with something that we didn't understand or Mm -hmm. know, which then kind of replaced with this thing that was certain and knowable. Uh, but then as, you know, again, physics and, you know, black holes, there's, Mm -hmm. we started to stumble back into this whole mystery and unknowable aspect. Um, but that was sort of like sequestered into academia and mm -hmm. science. Yeah. So that's interesting. So religion maybe served as a placeholder for the unknowable, which was also sort of, even though it was unknowable, it was relational in that you Mm -hmm. could go relate to it every day or every week. Yeah. Go pay your honor, Mm -hmm. you know, take your sacrament, do your, go to, go to church, whatever it is. Yeah. And put yourself at the feet of the unknowable. Mm -hmm. And now that everything in post-religion, everything must be knowable and we don't have a place structured, concrete and structured. Mm -hmm. Although the unknowable certainly still exists. Mm -hmm. We just don't have a, it's not institutionalized. Yeah. We don't have a place to put it that we all interact with Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. It's like the order and chaos aspect of the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. It's like we're we're dealing with one aspect and we're trying to cling into or cling onto, you know, order and forgetting that there is actually a part that's chaos, that's unknowable. And I feel like that is something that's kind of kicking or jerking us back into reality is like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> It's not how this all works. It's like there's, you you can live in 72 degrees all the time in your house, but you're going to have to face stress. And, Mm -hmm. you know, biologically that's kind of what helps us or has been built into us to cope and, and, and work through things. But, um, so it's like, we're trying to take away all these elements that help us actually cope with other things that are, that aren't there anymore. And so when those other things come like death or mm-hmm. birth or, you know, whatever it might be, we're not, we're just not prepared for them at all. We don't have the religious structures around us to, hmm. to help us. That was something that felt very evident to me when we were out in West Texas a couple of hmm. a month, a month ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure everybody can, can think of some situation where they've experienced this. It's like you, you, maybe you drive, so like we were staying in Marathon and we drove, mm. you know, a couple of hours into Big Bend and you get this feeling when you're driving into a place where you're the only person you can see and you can see for miles mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you think, do I have enough gas? <laughs> you know, what would happen if my car broke down? Mm-hmm. I don't have cell service. You see, you know, oh, that's right, a, a yeah. thunderstorm come miles and miles away and you think, well, what happens if I'm caught out in this? Mm -hmm. All these are very basic questions that Mm -hmm. we simply don't have to ask ourselves almost ever. Yeah. You know? And it's so you find yourself in this vulnerable position and you realize the comfort of your life. You realize all of these things that you're not having to contend with on a daily basis. I'm Mm -hmm. not having to think about survival ever. Mm hmm. You know, maybe this year culturally we've gotten a a, a shot of that mm-hmm. because we're we're thinking quite a bit about death. But um, generally, it's not something we contend with, even though we put our rice our lives at risk daily in many ways. Mm-hmm. Despite that, we live longer than ever because we don't put our lives at risk in other ways, mm-hmm. such as are you going to be caught out in a field in a lightning storm? Mm-hmm. It's like no, that's that never happens. But that used to be a regular part of daily life mm-hmm. yeah or being eaten by an animal you know mm-hmm. or you know even tribes or you yeah, made the different storm communities. wasn't a great example <laughs> yeah i liked it though oh thanks <laughs> yeah different tribes you know or, <clears throat> or communities that want to you know take you over or kill you or whatever take, it might yeah be. and you wouldn't know about it until they were on top of you mm-hmm. you know unless somebody happened to find out and rode in or ran in or whatever yeah there's no nine one one to call. <laughs> totally, <laughs> come get me. Totally, I was marveling at the existence of nine one one recently. Oh, actually, never never occurred to me how incredible it is. Well, I think it was on it was some conversation I was having, and it was on the tail end of 
the com uh, the maybe not the tail end, but as a result of all these conversations of defund the police, hmm. reallocate funds to other places, and you know rejigger the system. And I started thinking about what this system is, and I, I think I thought about it because I was talking to um, I was talking to or about the foster care system mm-hmm. and social workers who generally deal with foster care kids in multiple cities. Mm-hmm. And so if a, if something happens and they have to call the police, which happens quite often because the way that system works um, and they have to call the police in a different city, it's really hard because hmm. how do you call the police in a different city? You literally have to Google the police station's phone number. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I thought that's fascinating mm-hmm. because we don't have to think about how to call the police anymore. Yeah. We have figured out a solution I can call 911 anywhere at any time and the system know will figure out where to route my call immediately to the closest person who can help me. Mm-hmm. That's astounding. Yeah. And and it's so astounding that we don't even have to think about it. It just works. You know, I'm sure there's many flaws, mm-hmm. but to just take a second and think about how incredible that is. Yeah. If you want to call the police, you know how, and you don't have to think about where they are, what the phone number is, where you are, nothing. Mm -hmm. Three digits and helps on its way. I think there's just so many things we don't don't understand or we take for granted. I mean, I think of HEB, for example. Mm -hmm. The organization to get all that freaking food into one place and multiple places the organization of that behind behind all that is just phenomenal. Even when we were out of toilet paper. Totally. I mean, I think we spent, you know, a good part of one of the podcasts originally at the mm-hmm. beginning of the pandemic talking yeah. about how impressed we were with mm. that organization. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's a really phenomenal organization. Yeah. The number of things we, it's like, I don't exactly want to say we take for granted. It's not even that we take them for granted. It's that we don't even have to think about them at all. Mm-hmm. The number of those things is crazy. Yeah. I mean, wastewater. Totally. <laughs> just water to our drinkable water to our actual drinkable houses. water and, and wastewater. Mm-hmm. Those two things probably extended mankind's life expectancy oh, yeah. more than yeah. anything uh-huh. else. Yeah. And, that used to, you know, people used to just throw their shit out the window onto the street <laughs> and we don't think about it anymore. Uh-huh. It just works. Yeah. You imagine if it stopped working, mm-hmm. it'd be mayhem. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like with the water crisis of what is it? What is it? Two years ago. It seems so small now. <laughs> it you does know? seem small now. Jeez. Or the zebra mussels. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh-huh. that crisis. Yeah. I mean, that was like, and that was such a big deal at the time. Yeah. Like, where do I get water? I mean, especially for me as a coffee shop, it's, right. like, it's 99% of what we sell <laughs> is water with yeah, stuff in it. I'm trying to it. remember what I did during that time. I guess I was buying filtered water, mm-hmm. but they never ran out. Mm-hmm. So even that is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. We live in an extraordinary time. We do. Uh, yeah. I just... I don't want to get into this part, but I find it just, we live in such an extraordinary time and I find myself just really frustrated with a lot of our sense making and kind of come back to like why podcasts I think are so valuable right now. Uh, I mean, again, like, you know, you and I ask a lot of questions and we're saying a lot of things. Um, but a lot of stuff that we, that we are exploring are come from books and also from other podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, and then also as we put those podcasts together and talk about them, the new things come out. And a lot of that is what we talk about right now, you know, is our processing of right. all those different mediums. I don't find I get anything from mainstream media. I try not to anymore. There's just nothing about, I just find it as a, uh, as a, a reality TV show that these mm. characters are they're, they're, I'm watching characters perform <laughs> in front of me. It is kind of the new version of like the real world. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a parody of, of news. Right. You know, I mean, just take the Hunter Biden thing, for example, it's like, you know, a month ago, 
it was not a news story. And uh, then, well, it was a news story. Yeah. The news story was insisting it wasn't a news story. Uh-huh. And then now it's a news story. <laughs> it's a news story. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? I, I also think just given like the incredible complexity of, well, life in general, mm-hmm. but life in the 21st first century, um, post internet, post social media, mm-hmm. it just seems preposterous that anybody would propose we're going to tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sense of it for you. Yeah. Like, no, you're not. No one person can make sense of this. Mm-hmm. No organization can make sense of this. Yeah. There's just too much. It's like, maybe that's the problem. And maybe it isn't even that mainstream media is corrupt. Although I think it is. I want to push back on you because all those, all those mainstream media, like have all the divisions, the weather, the Mm -hmm. political, the, um, local news, the, you know, they have all those little spaces that are supposed to fit that, the, the cover, the specifics of whatever narrative that is. Okay. Yeah. But I find it's just, it's unreliable because they're having to adhere to some sort of greater narrative that I don't feel is beneficial mm-hmm. or is honest. Yeah. The culture should be providing the narrative. Mm-hmm. The media should be reporting. Yeah. And it seems as if that has flipped. Mm-hmm. It seems like the media is providing the narrative and the culture is reporting. Mm-hmm. And then you get really, maybe because of the inversion of that, you get things like people saying, you know, podcasts are the new spreader of mis- misinformation mm-hmm. because they're not m- mainstream media. Yeah. Which is crazy because I mean, I feel like you both you and I listen to a pretty wide variety of things and it's like you able to sort of get a, a broader perspective of what's happening rather than, you know, um, Biden's this or Trump's that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating, I mean, I was kind of curious, like however this election turned out, like uh, to me, it was kind of a crap shoot either way mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part. But like, uh, so now that we kind of know that it's Biden, unless something crazy happens, which is, you know, still 2020. So crazy shit happens. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious I, to see what happens with I Biden. I kind of feel like if something crazy was going to happen, it would have already happened. Mm-hmm. Like it seems very non 2020 mm-hmm. to like wait this long for something crazy <laughs> to happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also fascinated to move into the next year and, see how culture and media and um, all of these movements Mm -hmm. that have been going on this year respond. I think there's a real time for artists and we we need our artists right now. Yeah. Uh, I find a lot of artists. And again, if this is not true, then show me. And I, I would love to, because I feel like artists are supposed to be out there in the unknown. Um, I don't find anything that's telling me anything new. And that's scary. New on the level of art. Like, no, just like, like, I feel like artists are supposed to be telling us like, like what we're not doing or where we should be going. Yeah. But I say in the level of art, because it's the artist, I think rides the line between the unknown and the articulated. Mm -hmm. Like the artist is the beginning of an articulation. Totally. Okay. Gotcha. So you only know that the artist told you something new in Mm -hmm. hindsight. Oh, that's a good point. Like you feel it, but you, maybe you don't know it, but I agree with you. I don't see. Well, I feel like they're telling me, I feel like when I look at, they're telling me stuff I already know. Right. You know, whether it be, uh, I don't know how sucky we are or, you know, this mostly just how sucky things are. I don't well, see it's, been a, it's been a weird year for art. That's true. You know, I mean, if I think about music, there hasn't been much that's come out this year. Movies. Well, I think that's the problem is, 
usually when things are the worst is when artists thrive. Hmm. You know, it's, it's again, you think you look at cities, you know, artists live in the worst parts of the city hmm. and that's when their some of their greatest work comes out. And then once that part of the city becomes nice again, it's like, there's a sort of trivial trivializing of the art of that art of the artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have to move out somewhere else. And then a new thing happens. Right. So it's sort of like it's, it's off stream and then mainstream and then kitsch or whatever. <laughs> well, I, I like that you have brought this up because I, I do get the sense that this next year is going to be a year for art. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, for, for many reasons, like everyone is going to have to process this year. Mm-hmm. Everyone is going to have to process loss of people, loss of relationships, loss of time with family, loss of jobs, loss of structure and normalcy. Yeah. Um, you know, and who knows how this next year is going to go with the way that we are going to respond to risk as a society. Mm-hmm. But I think, things are going to shift and change. And that's when I think some of the art's going to start to get made. I think I'm, I, I, which is really odd for me. I'm kind of pessimistic in this area. Okay. Um, I hope, I hope for that. I'm, I've kind of got a feeling that we're going to go through a desert where the artists are asleep, where the, where the profits are not, standing watch. You know? I think what we've been in it already. Oh, you think so? Okay. I do. Okay. Oh, no, I feel like we just stumbled onto a, uh, a topic that would be, uh, <laughs> that you and I are going to have to explore afterwards. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I'm like, I have way, way too many things. I've I'm, said a lot of things. I'm I dealing with gut, is, with gut instincts now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, this kind of, I think leads us to what we want to do with our last episode mm-hmm. of the year, mm-hmm. um, which is to start, start to talk about next year. Yeah start to talk about things like art mm-hmm. uh, rather than Polit- so, so much <laughs> politics and coronavirus and yeah. all of, all of that, which I'm sure will still be part of our conversation, but totally. um, you know, maybe we already are in a desert. Maybe we're not. I mean, another thing that we, we would like to do is, is recap this year mm-hmm. from our podcast perspective. What are the things we've covered? What are the things we've been thinking about and what are we going to, what are we going to put to bed and what are we going to take into next year? Yeah. So maybe this is a great place to end it and, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll pick it up on the 29th. Is that the date? Yeah. And, um, man, close this year out. I can't believe that this is upon us. I know it's been so badass. I feel like we've learned so much and grown so much just yeah. in our, uh, podcast and what we talk about and kind of feel like we kind of, uh, broke some norms, which what happened in April, I think was when we said, Oh shit, we talked about politics. That's right. Totally. <laughs> like we have up until that point, we had not really breached that. Subject. We had purposely stayed away from it. Uh-huh. Well, thank you all for going on this journey with us. Looking forward to closing it out with you. Yeah. Cheers everyone. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Ciao. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. What are all the things? Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Ha ha ha, see you guys.